Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. You know, when I was a little girl, I had a babysitter who so loved to watch wrestling on TV. And I remember her getting excited and yelling at the TV screen all the time. I used to follow her lead as a little tyke. And the family story goes that my common line while watching wrestling with her her was, hit him on the head with a frying pan. And I I assume in my young mind there must have been some stash of frying pans laying around the ring. Uh, But my guest today comes from that wrestling world. And hopefully he never took my naive toddler advice and uh, hit people upside the head with a frying pan. But Mark Smith is he a former pro wrestler who has overcome medical challenges, abuse, and drug addiction. And he's here today to share his life-changing story of finding his purpose and peace in life. And I'm so happy I get to hang out with him today and welcome him to the show. Mark, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Well, Lana, thank you so much. I have been hit, I think, with frying pans. <laughs> And and the, even the name of your show scares me because I feel like I'm having flashbacks and somebody's going to hit me with a box. <laughs> I just remember, you know, being little and Miss Ruby was my babysitter and she loved her wrestling and I just would follow suit. And I don't know what it was in my young mind that you need to just just clock him upside the head with a frying pan. You'll win the match. But you know, I know I I've been hit on. I've been hit with crutches. Oh my gosh! People have limped. To hit me walking back and forth to the ring with crutches. I've been hit with chairs. I'm talking about the fans. They've mm. tried to stab me. Um, I've been hit with the uh, with shoes. People take them off and hit me in the head with shoes. Um, you know, uh, a lady even one time I poked me with her back stud of her earring. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's one thing I can say about the fans, the connoisseurs of wrestling. They are so into it. Like, it is. Well, it is. I mean, I remember I was in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, I was halfway getting dressed. Uh, my valet was with me, and this – I did not know some of the family of the guy I was working that night – we had been using the heel of her shoe and his eye, bloodied him up some, you know. Anyway, I'm halfway getting dressed. He and I are actually sitting down together in the dressing room. His family busts through. Me and my valet have to hop in the car, speed down I-20, and swerve so we can find a state patrolman to pull wow, us over wow. to tell him what's going on, and he escorts us to the state line. Wow, 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 too much, too much, okay, (laughs) that's a little bit too much for me, but let me, let me start this here, let's get this process going, so I hear a, a bit of a twang in the voice here, where, where are you talking to me from today, what state are you in? I'm in Boston. No, I'm, I'm lying. Okay. I should say not, not that twain. No, you're I'm not. Lying. I'm lying. Okay. I'm originally a Georgia boy, okay? Okay. Um, okay. I'm originally a Georgia boy, and so, of course, wrestling was around and all. And um, But we, I, I actually went to Lee University, Lee College, graduated there after I left the wrestling business. And as loony as I am, I have degrees in uh, family therapy and pastoral ministry. Uh, we've been, we're in Texas for about 13 years, uh, working in churches out there. We're now here in Tennessee, in Fayetteville, Tennessee, uh, the metropolis, which is about 35 miles north of Huntsville, and uh, about 95 to 100 miles south of that little town called Nashville. Tennessee, Tennessee. All Rocky right. Top, baby, but I am a Georgia Bulldog <laughs> fan, okay? Okay, okay. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Okay, so that's where it all starts is in Georgia. Um, so get started and uh, share with us, uh, you know, what, what it was like growing up in Georgia. Oh, well, I mean, you know, hot summers, you know, warm winters, basically. But um, it was a, just a situation where... Uh, grow, growing up was hard. I mean, we all have hard times. We all have our stories and things about growing up. Uh, I don't think I'm different than a lot of people. 
just maybe I'm a little bit more open about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought I, I think we we've you know in our society, Lana, we have gotten to the point where when you hear, I mean, people talk about sex, 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 all this kind of stuff. The thing, the one thing I don't hear a lot of people talking about. They're sharing of their own stories because mm-hmm. you know, our stories help inspire other people. And uh, I grew up fussing and fighting, uh, laying in the bed with uh, the covers pulled up to my chin, whatever. Mm-hmm. Would go to the closet, get a baseball bat, and I felt I felt safe sleeping with a baseball bat. There were fist holes in the walls. Um, my dad. I found out later was beaten with chains as a child. Wow. So, you know, he he didn't know how to I mean, he never beat us with a chain, but you know, we I've been punched a few times, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh but it's a situation where he's he wasn't an awful man. I'm not throwing rocks. But you know, people didn't talk about those kind of issues in Islana, you know, um to for, for people to come to peace, they have to be willing to open their life like a book and be able to talk about and process those things in their past. True, true. And you know, I think that's one thing that people really don't understand about um, the perpetrators of uh, domestic violence and child abuses. A lot of times, they're just doing all they know, what they saw. And sometimes it's hard to break that cycle and say, wait a minute, something is wrong with this. This is not what I should be doing. You know, so like with your father, um, you know, for him to do the things that he did to you, not to say that it's right or wrong, but if that's all he knew growing up, this must be how I'm supposed to be a parent, you know. So um, and until somebody, like you said, starts sharing stories and say, wait a minute, this is how it should be. That's what you're living is is not the best life that you could possibly live. This let me tell you how you know my experience was and how I crawled myself out of you know that dysfunction and and until you know um, you know because I I come from a southern lifestyle and and that's part of the culture of the of the South is we you know hush hush that's family business you don't say anything but right. what what that allows to manifest is a lot of generations of dysfunction you know with that so like you said you know we have to share our stories we have to say you know look I went through this and it wasn't right but I broke the chains of the cycle of chains this way and that way so that helps somebody else say wait a minute let me get out of my circumstance so yeah I mean you, you know Lana I, I, I gotta be I'm gonna say something and this is a straightforward compliment to you. Um, since the book came out just really three, three months ago or whatever, three or four months ago, um, I've had the chance, you know, basically with wrestling being my background, you know, people have been interested in doing interviews and things that way, and I get calls and all this, and, of course, I reached out to you. Uh, I thought you were very thought-provoking in your website and different things that I saw. But out of all the people I've talked to, Lana, you were the first person that I didn't have to bring it up. You actually brought it up that – I'm sorry – that abuse sometimes can be a learned behavior Mm -hmm. and that you were the – and that you you were the only person that has brought up the fact – and we, we talk about it with our foster children. Mm-hmm. They say, "Why am I? Why was I treated this way at home?" And one of the few, and one of the phrases I tell them is, "Honey or son, whatever the sex may be of the child, uh, it may be that your parent loved you in the only way that they knew how." True, true. You know, and uh, you know, it's so many times. You know, I, I try to give people the understanding that. You know, the person is just, they're not well. And, and it, I know it, it's painful. It hurts what they're doing. But at the same time, we have to try to offer some understanding that this person has some sort of illness and they're, they're doing the best that they can with what they're working with. You know, and we're not always given the best tools to get through this thing called life. You know, you're kind of, you, you, you come out, you're screaming and, you know, just wing it. And if you make it, you make it. You know, there's no rule book. There's not like, okay, on day 22, we all should be on paragraph three, you know, page six. So, um, 
you know, unfortunately, we, we make our mistakes. And, um, you know, I, I would I would hope, you know, in my bigger picture thinking that um, we have some more tools and some resources to help people get whole and to stop some of the behaviors that we see um, continuing gener- generation after generation, which which is some of the work that you're doing now with your foster kids that we will get uh, get into later. But, I sure. mean, that is that is truly, truly such a needed thing because, you know, without the type of work that you're doing, you know, we'll end up seeing these kids end up doing it to their kids and their kids and their kids, and we need to stop that cycle today, yesterday. yesterday. Well, yeah, I mean, Lana, one thing uh, people – I, I, I say the book that we wrote. It's it's a miracle. It's almost a miracle read from what we've been told by people because mm-hmm. the people that have been buying it and contacting us, they say I sat down. It's like 140 something pages. They said I sat down and I've read it in one sitting. You mm-hmm. know, I'm getting this from people, and they're saying pull out the tissues and all this, and. Yeah, I mean, you're right. We, we come out, we're, we're crying, you know, we have a certain amount of things that we're just dealt with in life. But, you know, there is hope. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the big things, one of the big messages, whether it's to the foster kids or to the groups of people, which we speak to uh, Christian groups, we speak to non-Christian groups, uh, and, and we can tailor that message into that your past does not have to dictate your future. So very true. So very true. And and so many people get stuck in that. Um, you know, this is this is the totality of me. You know, this must. This is just the the hands that life has dealt me. So I must absorb this, and this is all I'm going to be. And um, you never have to stay where you're at. You know, I don't care if you're six or sixty. You can make some constructive changes to your life and live a better life. So, um, totally. Well, I, I mean, the book. Think of it this way: I've had, they think somewhere thirty plus concussions. Mm. I do. I do have brain injury, mm-hmm. and yet. You know, I can get confused at different times during the day or whatever, but I feel like I'm pretty sharp with you right now. Yes, you are. You are. I mean, when I when I do an interview and it's as thought provoking as you are, and I I love the insights I'm hearing from you. Um, But I hear these things, and then when I get in front of groups, the brain works. I mean, uh, it, it. and yet, all that I wrote the book in thirty days. Awesome. It, just, it just poured out of my soul, and um, there's just a part of me right now, Lana, that I hope through your program today, I hope groups, you know, would would seek us out because this may be strange, but I want to go to everyone, give them a hug, and let them know they're loved. Everybody, everybody needs some love. Everybody needs um, some motivation. You know, it's everybody needs some. If any, nobody else believes in you, I believe in you. And and sometimes that is all that it takes for people to make that very first step to make some impacting changes in their lives. So the work that you're doing is is just so phenomenal, and I cannot say it enough, like how it is needed, um, especially with a lot of the stuff that we see going on in society today, especially, especially with our younger generation. Um, well, we, so- had one, we had one teenager um, a while ago that had been raped by her stepfather and her mother was laying in bed when it happened. Mm. I mean, you know, what you're saying is so true. Uh, and, I mean, I'm a guy, I'm 5'11", I'm right at 300 pounds. I, I wear a size 56 suit jacket to get <laughs> around my shoulders, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm like a big dog house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, um, people are just, and I have to admit, I have to apologize to you. My brain clicked right then and I lost my train of thought. I know <laughs> about my size. Okay, it happens. It and, happens. And, and you know what? You know what, Mark? I'm gonna, I'm gonna trick your brain a little bit more. We're gonna pay some bills real quick and take a quick right. commercial, and you hold on to that thought, okay? I'm gonna try to find it. <laughs> okay, we'll be right
Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Today I am with the entertaining author of uh, One Last Hurrah, Mr. Uh, Mark Smith, who's also a former pro wrestler. And before the break, I distracted him, but he was talking about about his suit jacket, which was a size 56, 50? Yeah, 56. I tried it on the other day. I remember that. Now, we we were going somewhere with with it. I found my thought. Okay, okay. I was okay. sitting on it. That's where people, okay. that's where my wife tells me my brain is. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go with it now. What was the thought? All right. Uh, Lana, um, we're talking about our past. We're talking about, you know, the, uh, the ability to be open mm-hmm. and not letting your past dictate your future. I actually comment, and I'm not going to give everything away, but in the book, I mean, I, I, I told you my size because I grew up working in a gas station, pretty muscular fella, uh, pulling U-Haul trailers by myself across parking lots and mm-hmm. lifting the old car top carriers, if you remember them, the U-Hauls that would fasten mm-hmm. to the top of the cars. I would pick them up and put them on by myself. Wow. Uh, but in high school, I had a male teacher hit on me, mm-hmm. actually wrote me a love note. And, uh, you know, I could have, and he ended up getting what was coming to him, I mean, uh, but I could have said, whoa, me, or whatever, Mm -hmm. or, you know, thrown myself a pity party, okay? But what I decided to do was, and, and I learned from it, and I also learned this from the forgiveness of my father, is that... In our lives, we have people that, yes, they teach us how to be or what to do. We also have people in our lives sometimes that teach us how not to be and what not to do. Both are a blessing. So, you know, uh, uh, and I hope in our interview I'm not throwing rocks. Uh, I don't mean to be doing that at all. My father and I, when he passed away with cancer, we, uh, we had reconciled. Uh, had a very close relationship, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of I'm sorry's. Um, and you know, Lana, I'm glad everything happened, has happened the way it has, because, you know, one thing is, I know I've complimented you several times, but if everything had not happened the way it has, I wouldn't be sitting right here talking with you. And I'm, 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 I feel great about it. Uh, wherever you are, you know, I've not asked you where you are, but wherever you are, the people that have interviewed me, I've surprised them, showed up, and I said, I told you on the air I wanted to hug. <laughs> I surprise you. So whenever you're comfortable off the air or whatever, if you tell me where you are, if my family comes through that town, I'm going to call you and get my hug. Okay. Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm all over the place, but if y'all are ever on the West Coast, any one of y'all, come and look my, me up. My wife wants me to take her to the West Coast, so, yeah, okay. okay. Looking forward, looking forward. And then I, I'm also uh, your way quite, quite often. Mom is in uh, North Carolina, so, uh, and family, I'm kind of there checking on them all the time. So I'm kind of close to Tennessee also every now and there then. There you go. Okay, well, we'll sure enough get together. But I, ho- I hope that was a good point, uh, and I hope it's something that our listeners can understand you don't have to block out the people in your life that bad stuff has happened. Use, have it as, have as, use it as a learning tool. You know, Mark, we've talked a lot about your dad and, and the the uh, healing and the growth of that relationship between you and your dad. I'm just curious, where, where was your mother at during all of this? My mom and dad finally got divorced when I was, um, I think, about 12 okay. or 13 uh, after 30 years. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and they had gotten married when my mom was 13. It was both, it was the type of situation where they both had gotten married to kind of get out of their own individual situations. Okay. But my mom was with my stepmom at my dad's deathbed. Hmm. And I was driving from Texas, and I think I was around Meridian, Mississippi. They had called me, said he's in bad shape. And I remember in the car, 
began to weeping. I began weeping, and the kids looked at me and said, "Daddy, Granddaddy's gone, isn't he?" I said, "Yeah, baby, she is." And um, but my wife and I, you know, there's been a lot of blessings. We did, were able to do one thing that many people were not able to do. Um, because of my own pain, I developed a, a machine that actually created mobile programmable heat. Hmm. Uh, ended up, I ended up designing it, and it went to United States Special Forces. But when I had one of the prototypes with me, I was able to give it to my dad as a last resort, and he said, I will try anything, and mm-hmm. it actually eased his pain, so he was able to die pain-free. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Amazing. How, <laughs> how everything fits together, how we are given what we need when we need it. It's just, it's always so overwhelmingly awesome to me how, how that all plays out. Wow. Exactly, and uh, you know, I went. Uh, I've I wrestled, um, walked into the apartment. My first wife said, "I'm leaving." And uh, Lana, I was a jerk. See, no, that, never that. that, that no, that's, never that's you, Mark. That, well, no, <laughs> no, not you. No, Lana, I was a, I was a. I was a class one sob, and you can spell that out, okay? But I was a class one sob. Uh, and, uh, oh gosh, so selfish. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah, when when did ahead. you start, when did your profession, professional wrestling career start? How old were you? Okay, I was actually 19. Okay, so you were young, and then when did that first marriage start? Uh, about the same time. Okay, okay, so let me go ahead and, and give you an, uh, an excuse. Let me give you an out. You were 19, and then you were, like, automatically famous, and, you know, you're probably full of yourself and cocky. So, you know, maybe that's why you weren't such a nice guy, you know, maybe, possibly. Oh, <laughs> uh, it probably had something to do with it. Probably <laughs> the drugs on the side didn't help yeah, either. You know, but that, yeah, you know, but, that, yeah, you know, but then th- that would be my next question, though, because yeah. as a wrestler, there's so much body damage that's done to you guys. You have to be doing something to kind of ease that pain, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it really saddens me because sometimes, uh, well, I say sometimes, I mean frequently, probably mm-hmm. at least a, once a month. I go on YouTube and look in different sites, and of course, I'm on YouTube, my matches and different things. People have plastered them on from all over the world, and it uh, it, it's, it's, it has shocked me, but um, I just go on and I find out who's died. Forty guys, 40 guys that I've worked with, under 50 years old, have died because of drug abuse. Uh, it starts out drinking because uh, we would get drunk just about every night after the matches, or we would at least get a good buzz on to mm-hmm. ease the pain. Goes from there to taking it with five, six, or more ibuprofen. You finally have to go from there. You get prescribed some oxy or some hydrocodone or something to help ease the pain. And unfortunately for a lot of guys and uh, I say this with respect because they were just trying to put food on the table. I'm mm-hmm. not, uh, you know, I, I don't gouge the wrestling business. And this is mm-hmm. not a gouge. It's just a fact of survival. Um, it usually would go from there to cocaine, and it, that's where they would die. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have I would say each year now that I've been out of the business, at least two or three different people that I've died with have uh, passed away each year. Goodness gracious! But it's uh, you know it, it, it's 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 uh, it's survival. It's uh, it's a neat life. It's a uh, and you've got the choice, Lana. You've got the choice either as a mm-hmm. in any pro athlete as any pro athlete does. They have a choice to either have control and have control of their career or or else and this is where the problems come in you let your, your career control you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I just I let it control me 
and I became, like I said, a class one sob to everybody. If a promoter would call me and say, you know, I double crossed me, uh, how about hurting or doing or making him pay for it tonight? I'd ask him how much he pay, how much would he pay me? I would go in and I'd hurt his knee or hurt his arm. Wow. Uh, there's a lot more reality than what people think. Now, you were you were talking about that. Do you want to hear my specific injuries? So you'll no, know what no, I, we're going to hear because we're going to take a quick commercial break okay. soon. But I, I got I, I can give one more question. I want to fit in here. Your wife, your first wife, she yes. put up with you for how long? Uh, three and a half years. Okay, okay. And the last question before we go to break is. Your, so everybody can go look at your YouTube videos because you've mentioned this now, and I, I should have gotten this before we even started okay. today's interview. But what what was the the wrestling name that everybody calls you? I know. Well, actually, as a joke, uh, the announcer didn't have the card one night, and he announced me by my own name. I got so much heat from the crowd using my real name, Mark Smith. They started using it. People thought it was a joke. They thought it wasn't my name. So if they type in on YouTube, Mark Smith, NWA, or Mark Smith, WCW, I'll pop up all over the place. Oh, wow. No raging. Fantastic. What no. <laughs> what happened was they, I'd, I was wearing hoods in some territories, mask, you know, and I was working there, and I was going to get beat that night. I was doing a squash match for somebody, and uh, the ref, I'm sorry, the announcer, didn't have his paper with him, and he, he, did, he didn't want to look stupid on TV and look at me and say, Mark, what name are you going by? So he used my real name. Everybody in the dressing room laughed, and they started doing it as a joke. Too funny, too funny. Okay, so everybody can go on YouTube and search for Mark Smith Wrestling, and we're going to see his videos from back in the day. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back right after this. Thank you. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am with the uh, very humorous uh, man behind the book, One Last Hurrah, Mr. Mark Smith, former pro wrestler. And uh, we were talking about the beginning of his wrestling career and, and his first wife. That marriage lasted three and a half years, you said. Um, there's a there's a chapter in your book called uh, 1990, a year of change. Is is that that time period, this little transition? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what happened was that year I, when I walked in that night, uh, and again, you know, Lana, you look at the book. I accept all the responsibility, and and that's one thing you know where our book is a little bit different. Probably is because it's not a pass the buck. All this happened and made me into so-and-so. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I made myself the so-and-so. And, um, but I walked in, and uh, I told her, I said, look, I don't want you to leave, please. And she said, uh, well, just go leave me alone for a little while. And so I, I actually went to my dad's house, and I picked up a Bible. And I went to Proverbs, and it was like, it was like the hundred elves got got in my drawers and was whipping me with a paddle because <laughs> I was getting whooped up and down. It, you know, the book of Proverbs is strange, Lana, because it says basically if you screw up, then this will happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I was reading my life. And I was seeing it all happening. And I was getting the beat down on my life, worse than anything I ever found in the rain. I was getting the beat down because I realized how horrible I was being. Where I'd been. I walked into the apartment the next day and she cleaned her stuff out and left. And I looked down, the, I was cleaning up and, and I looked down in the bathroom into the uh, trash can. And there was a pregnancy test. Um, it was blue. Uh, it was some kind of stick, and it was blue. I took it to a pharmacist because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if she was sick. I, I didn't know what it was. And uh, the pharmacist told me it was positive. Uh, that made me come to Jesus real fast. That made me look to Jesus really fast. Uh, there was never a baby born. 
I don't do not know what happened. I tried to stay in contact. Um, I knew I had to make things right or whatever I could to make things right. I knew as a man and as a new Christian, because that night I said, God, come in my life, do something. I've screwed it up. I'm in such a deep hole. There's no farther down I can go. i got to come up. And um, I can tell you, if she walked in the room right now, I'd hug her neck and tell her, I'm sorry, but I have actually... Give uh, called her family and uh, made a lot of apologies to them. And that's not the easiest thing to do. That's not the easiest thing to do. But I had to accept responsibility. Are you, and that's a that's a bigger person who can say, you know, I I had my hand in this that went wrong because it's so much it's human nature to just kind of deflect responsibility no it wasn't all me you did this and you did that it wasn't you know so i mean it just shows how much of a even in your dysfunction how much of a bigger person that you were at that time to say look you know i accept responsibility for everything that i did you know um, well you look you look at america today and i, I do and I, I i say this not in a sacrilegious way I, I mean it in a very real way i pray to god there's some People, uh, whether youth, I mean, uh, in uh, community groups or churches, people that are involved in them, they're listening. I mean, I, I've actually, uh, I'm, I'm arranging a date now to go to Ferguson, Missouri okay. to uh, speak, to give my testimony. Mm-hmm. I'm not there to be politic, be a politician. I'm just going to teach my, give my testimony because, Lana, this may sound very naive. But you know what? What I talk about in the book is forgiveness, compassion, and understanding. I wonder if our country would be fighting in itself so much right now. I mean, if we could understand that, you know, Lana, you, me, your producer, anybody in your building, if we go get our finger pricked by a doctor, we will bleed and the blood will be red, right? Mm -hmm. True. I don't care. What the color of a person's skin is. I don't care. Because I'll tell you what, that cross where that man Jesus died on, he didn't die for one color of person. He died for everybody. Sure. And that cross, excuse me, and I'm very passionate about this, as you can probably tell, <laughs> my, that my, that the love is not meaning for me just to love a person that's like me. Lana, I've got to love you, and I do. And you don't know this interview how much I do appreciate you. I appreciate you letting me tell our country. When I say I want to come and share some love, yes. I don't care what the church is. I don't care what the color is. I don't care what the politics is. I don't want to talk it. I want to talk Jesus, and I want to hug the neck. And uh, that sounds, I know it probably sounds stupid. But that's really the way I feel. Stupid at all. It's, it sounds passionate, and I think we might make more strides in this world as a people if a lot more of us were passionate about other people. You know what I'm saying? I think that's that's what we're missing. And um, I want to make sure I, I kind of stay focused here because I could talk yes. to you probably about that for quite some time here. Understand? Um, sure. But. Going back to your first wife, and you've now um, got yourself back in touch with God. Oh, my gosh, yes. And your life starts to make some changes there. When is it that you meet your your, your sidekick, your partner in crime, Brenda? Yes, she is my partner in crime. She's (laughs) the love of my life. We've been married almost 23 years now. She says 22 and a half. Our anniversary is June 6th, and I know her social security number. Anyway, <laughs> so see, I, I am a loving husband, Lana. Yeah, for all those people that think I'm not loving. Yeah, I'm sticking my tongue out at you. No, <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad to see I'm getting you laughing a little bit. Oh, yes, a lot, a lot. I'm truly enjoying this time with you, truly enjoying it. What happened was uh, I went to church. Uh, I met her. Uh, just went to some concerts. I went as friends with other people. 
and uh, started having a little feelings, but she and I went to an old-fashioned dust-on-the-floor camp meeting one night. And I said a prayer. I said, God, if I'm supposed to be by myself, just let me know. Mm-hmm. Let me know something, please. And I just took a deep breath, and I just looked at Brenda and smiled and just went about. She never knew what I had done. Mm-hmm. About 15 minutes later, this lady sitting behind us. I'm not meaning, I'm not trying to say she's old, but I think she was pen pals with Abe Lincoln. She was seasoned. She was seasoned. Maybe if she was seasoned, she was seasoned well. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> if she was wine, she'd have been probably 10,000 a bottle. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, this lady with her blue hair, uh, tapped me on the shoulder. She said, son, I've got a word for you. I said, oh, gosh, not again. <laughs> because I had been having people, Lana, for six months, tap me on the shoulder at different places. People I didn't know said, son, you don't have to go to school a long time to be a preacher. And they were quoting it exactly. God was hitting me with a two-by-four. Mm-hmm. And now this woman's telling me she's got another word for me, and I'm thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> she said, son, whatever you've answered for, I mean, whatever you've prayed for, look, the answer is right beside you. Oh, ain't that something? Well, that's the truth, sissy. It really happened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know what? I mean, we're... One of us is strong when the other one's weak. Yes, we fuss. Nothing like I grew up in, but mm-hmm. oh gosh, we let it out and then it's over. You get what I mean? Yeah. Our, our, our home, we will, you know, you would you would swear our name was Smithini or something Italian <laughs> because we just let it out and then it's over with. And and when foster kids come in, they look and they go, they're they're tr- they're looking up in the air trying to sense some. Uh, mean or harsh vibe or something. Mm-hmm. And people that walk in, they say it's just warm. Awesome. And it's because we're, we're, we don't have any secrets. Truly a loving family, truly a loving household. I mean, and coming from the backgrounds, um, I mean, it's just amazing that you guys have allowed that to grow and and flourish in your own home. Uh, You mentioned the foster kids. When did you and uh, Brenda start taking in foster kids? Well, what happened was Brenda says that I mentioned it years ago. I don't remember, but then again, sometimes, you know, I... I forget where the bathroom is in my house now. Sometimes, <laughs> so I may have said it. <laughs> so, um, but we um, uh, we came here to Tennessee, and she was a children's minister. And I said, and they 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 virtually had no youth program at all uh, in family ministry. And I told them, I said, look, I'll do it for free. I want to see what I can physically do because I do. I have amassed a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. And um, I went in, and within a year, it grew from 4 to 40. Oh, wow. And foster kids started walking in the door. They started coming home with us and visiting. Uh, get, we got to know them. And Brenda said that it was God letting her know that there was nothing to be afraid of. And so Brenda looked at me one day. She says, Mark, you ought to be foster parents. I said, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> so and, uh, yeah, come on. Bring it on, sister. <laughs> so, oh, but you guys that? also have your own three kids, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they're angels and snakes mixed into one. Depending <laughs> <laughs> on what day of the week it is, right? Hey, baby, what hour of the day. But anyway, <laughs> I got one that's a sophomore class president. She's at uh, Martin College, and she has um, she's performed. In fact, she performed via um, Skype a Skype interview we had two weeks ago. She performed over three continents. Okay, cool. Uh, she's become a seasoned performer, and she enjoys Etta James. Oh, that's a good 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 footsteps to follow in. I'm telling you, she loves Eddie James and Etta James and gospel music. 
And um, I've got a son that's athletic. Uh, he calls himself Abs of Steel. And uh, he's 13, but he still loves to jump on the furniture. He'll jump. He'll get on the furniture and say, Daddy, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, catch me. And, uh, and I walk through the house twice a day, and he gives me at least a chop on the chest twice a day. <laughs> that's no joke. He really does. Uh, I let I've let my kids be in the ring with me. Oh, and, uh, it's a very special story, and it's going to be part of the movie. Oh, wow! Talking about doing about us. Oh, uh, I like it. I like it. But anyway, uh, in my middle dog, my middle kid Ashley, who's a junior in high school, she, she's never met a stranger. Um. Our kids, we, we have taught that we're, every, the whole family, we're proud of something. We, we've talked very openly about my past, all this. If you ask our children what are, the, what are, what are some of the things they're most proud of, they'll say, number one, we love each other. Number two, we're honest. Number three, we laugh together. Number four, we cry together. And number five, we broke the, uh, we brought we, we broke the cycles of abuse. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful family, wonderful foundation, wonderful just essence, ambience of love. I just I just so love the story. Uh, Mark, we're going to take our last commercial break of the day, and uh, I'm just amazed and, and overwhelmed. We'll be right back. Thank you, darling. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. I have so enjoyed myself today. I am hanging out with Mr. Mark Smith, former pro wrestler and author of the book One Last Hurrah. I actually guess I should be saying co-author because this is something you and Brenda did together, correct? Oh, Lord, I'm glad you said that. She'd hit me with a <laughs> stick if you did. Thank you. I can't stand no more concussions. <laughs> I said, wait a minute now. Let me go ahead and get this straight. <laughs> okay. Oh. I said, like, okay. Now, you know, you, you mentioned the concussions. Um, your, your day-to-day, your day-to-day with the injuries that you have, what, what damage has wrestling actually left you with? Uh, I do not have a kneecap. I've had five major surgeries on my right knee. My left knee's been drained 20 times. Uh, I... Have to every morning in bed move my knees back and forth to get them moving again uh, because of the multiple concussions. They think I do have the CTE, the brain injury that are, that the, you've seen many boxers and football players mm-hmm. kill themselves. Uh, I don't. They don't think the damage is that severe. I do take a medication that helps the trembling in my hands. So you know, unless you look close, you won't see it. But I can feel it inside me. I can feel it feels like someone's shaking me. Um, The muscle, I mean, mean, uh, I've had a broken shoulder. Every finger has been broken on my right hand. My my knuckle, multiple broken ribs. I've had my sternum cracked. Uh, I'm probably going to end up having a knee, uh, I'm sorry, a hip replacement in the next year and a half or two years. Um... Multiple nose breaking, broken jaw, and uh, cracked skull, and all the concussions. Wow. And five vertebrae with uh, bone spurs on them. So um, I do walk around with chronic back pain all the time and so forth with the bone spurs. There's nothing they can do. And, and how long was your wrestling career? Um, four, four and a half years, something like that. And But if you, when you see me, you'll go, good gosh. Because I never took a lazy bump. I took hard bumps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everything from the cement floors to getting hit with chairs or anything else. And, again, I could have went longer. And, you know, I'm afraid I would have ended up a statistic because I, I've got the same injuries as, as most people mm-hmm. that have been in the business. It's just, uh, you know, I did not – I got out before – I got to the severity of the medications that a lot of them, you know, have to take. 
Okay. Now, okay, Mark, it's just me and you. It's just like, okay. you know, you're not going to... Sister, know, just, it's me and you. Just me and you. I just I just need some inside scoop for a minute because, you know, oh. as I got older and was able to really watch wrestling and see what was going on, it just appeared to me that so much of it was staged. And But you guys oh. are actually out there getting brutalized. Yes. It's a soap opera. <laughs> But it's a, it's a, it's a, it is. I mean, it's a soap opera, though. Think about it. It's a soap opera and storyline where any second anything goes wrong, somebody's going to end up in the hospital or dead uh, because it could be a broken neck. It could be anything. Uh, it's it's uh, you don't have health insurance. You're you're uh, deemed as an independent contractor. Yes, it is staged, but uh, one of the one thing I'll tell anyone, and when you see me, you'll understand when you see me fall, the falls I take, you'll understand the one thing you can't fake, babe, is gravity. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now this is probably like a whole other interview, but you just said something. I, I just need to hear it again because I know wrestling is a multi-million dollar industry. We can't even provide health insurance to the people. Bringing oh no! It. I mean, there's too many injuries. No, the the uh, the insurance be astronomical. Oh, I mean, wow. from a business standpoint, I can understand. It see, this is one thing. I was doing a uh, an interview in Cincinnati, and the host at hostess asked me. She said. Don't you think that wrestling ought to reimburse all of you or do this and that, you know, and she was really, you know, high strung about it. I says, no. She looked at me. She said, what? The football players are looking for it. And I, I respect the football players and what they do is their business. And I, I've so many of them have touched me and, and, and inspired me. I, I love them to death. But, you know, you get into a sport or, or something. Where you know your body is going to be battered, don't be surprised when you get hurt. Okay. Does that make sense? I understand. I understand the thought process. It's truly that. I mean, you know what you're signing on for, right? Just, like, yeah, if you stand in front of a car, you're going to get hit. Yeah. You know. So, you, you know, just like, you know, you signed on to get married to Brenda, not all days are going to be good days, right? Well, you know, if she don't tell me she hates me at least twice a day, I don't feel like I've been a good husband. You know? <laughs> so when did when did you and Brenda sit down and uh, start writing uh, One Last Hurrah? Uh, we did it probably around August or September. We wrote it in 30 days. Uh, an Navy SEAL, I, I've, uh, I know, uh, his father-in-law was a uh, book publisher up in uh, Covington, Kentucky, which is right outside of Cincinnati. We called a publicist in Houston, Texas, Helen Cook, Prime Star Publicity. She read she read my story and she turned around and called. She says, "God's telling me to work for you pro bono for a year." Mm. And I said, "Helen, I love you." And when we when we talk to each other, I mean, it's love you and you know, dear friend. You know, uh, we're going down to Houston to hug her neck pretty shortly. But um, that's going to be your second career, just, just travel around the country and give out hugs, right? That's, that's well, God knows. Don't you think we need it? <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, really? Yes. I mean, look, gosh knows. You know, and I, and I, and I, you know what? I'm going to make a plea right here. I hope this makes sense. Now, look, my heritage. Yes, I am what you would call Caucasian of a persuasion, I reckon, okay? <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, is if, when you look down to the 18, like 96 census, my great, 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 whatever, was full-blood Indian, mm-hmm. uh, David Warrior Daniel. And our family was actually slaves to an African-American family. Mm. Isn't that wild? Oh, well, the thing, yeah, it's a, it's a neat history. I thoroughly love it. But the thing I want to make a plea is this. Right now, our country... The United States of America needs to see that people can get together, not focus on the differences, but let's focus on what brings us together. And I'm going to ask any church out there, right now, I think Jesus is really disappointed in our country because he's seeing us bicker. He's seeing us rumble in the streets. 
And I'm not saying people are doing things wrong, but but you know, we can do at, that. Some, at some point, somebody's got to start forgiving somebody. Somebody's got to say, I will be the bigger, better person, and I'll make that first step towards forgiveness, and we're going to do better collectively. I'll, I'll stick my neck out first, you know. Well, well, um, yeah. and, and so I don't care what church you're with. I don't care what your organization is. Call me. I will come to hug your neck, mm-hmm. and I want every media there. I want it to be a circus and they look at it because I feel like while people could be criticizing, I feel like more people would see people, whether from different backgrounds or whatever, I think our nation needs to see people get together. And I'm very and I'm I am disappointed that some of these big name ministers, I don't see them doing that. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and that's that's a whole Another so, story, and we are so at the end of the oh hour. Goodness. I'm sorry, did it go? So I know. Fast, I right? love death, girlfriend. <laughs> okay. My guest today has been Mark Smith, former pro wrestler, author of the well, co-author. Please let's not forget Brenda. <laughs> uh, one last hurrah. Please visit uh, their website, onelasthurrahweb.com. That's H-U-R-R-A-H web.com. And pick up a copy of the book. It's also on Amazon, right? Yes, Amazon and Kindle. And we're on Facebook, Mark and Brenda Smith. If you see a picture of us, I'm the one with the beard. Brenda's the pretty one. Oh, it's so sweet. I appreciate you, Mark, so much for hanging out with me today. I surely enjoyed myself. I wish you and Brenda many, many more hurrahs. I'll tell you what, darling, you are the bomb, and I mean <laughs> D-A, the bomb. You are it. You have been fun. I'd love to do this again with you sometime. You're awesome, girlfriend. We will have to. We will have to. Thank you so much. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you next week.